This week, Scandinavia provided a preliminary glimpse of one of the major events of 2017, the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Pope Francis paid a formal visit to the Lutheran Church of Sweden, and during the service he found himself exchanging the kiss of peace with a female Lutheran archbishop. Enough to set the hounds running? Not just ecumenical reconciliation of a 500-year rift, but recognition of women? Well, to sort the hairs from the hounds, Noldebian spoke with the National Bishop of the Lutheran Church of Australia, the Reverend John Henderson. But let's first go to the service at Lund in Sweden. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit of Amen. The Lord be with you. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, welcome to this ecumenical prayer, which commemorates the 500 years of the Reformation. For over 50 years, Lutherans and Catholics have been on a journey from conflict to communion with joy. We have come to recognize that what unites us is far greater than what divides us. On this journey, mutual understanding and trust have grown. possible for us to gather today. We come with different thoughts and feelings of thanksgiving and lament, joy and repentance, joy in the gospel and sorrow for division. We gather to commemorate in remembrance, in thanksgiving and confession, and in common witness and commitment. Bishop John Henderson, you've travelled to Lund, you've travelled to Sweden. It sounds like this was an important event. Why would you consider it such an important event to be there yourself personally? This was a very significant event for us. The Reformation for us has always been a mixed sort of celebration. In one sense, uh, we celebrate that the, the gospel was reclaimed or rediscovered in the church, but we also mourn it because it represents the fracturing of the body of Christ on earth. Tell us who you saw and who you were aware of sharing this service with. <laughs> well, of course, um, the Lund Cathedral seats about 800 people. There was a, a careful selection made both by the Vatican, by the Swedish Diocese of Skane, which is the cathedral here is in their diocese, and also by the Lutheran World Federation, which is based in Geneva. So you had a, a selection of ecclesiastical leaders 
A very significant part of the whole event, in fact, was the presence of the World Service Arms. On our part, Lutheran World Service, on the Catholic part, Caritas Internationalis. These are the organisations which distribute charity and do the work of uh, development in areas that yes. are in need of it, yes? Yeah. Disaster response, aid and development, humanitarian work. The, the whole event actually culminated in those two agencies forming an agreement with each other, Catholic and Lutherans in global development. What was the experience of being there in Lund like for you? Well, of course, it's extraordinary. Um, People forget that the church is essentially a global community. Although we deal with it locally and parochially, uh, it's a global community and it's a very ancient community. So the Eastern Orthodox, the Catholics, the Western Catholics and the Protestants were all represented there, as well as several other religions such as Buddhism and Islam. Uh, So to be there is like to be in the presence of the world's religions, but in the company of the head of what is the largest Christian community on earth, of course, which is the papacy, to see the Pope come to a Lutheran cathedral and uh, share in a prayer service in the way he did is very profound for us. And, of course, the Lutheran World Federation was launched in that cathedral 50 years ago. So a great sense of continuity. The Catholic-Lutheran dialogue started in 1964. That was the formal dialogue that came out of uh, the Second Vatican Council. Of course, Lutherans had been engaged in ecumenical work before that, but this was sort of the the engagement with Catholics started after that. That's, what, 60-something years ago. Is it a surprise that it has moved to the point where the Pope comes to visit Lutheran cathedrals? Oh, look, no, I don't think it's a surprise at all. The Vatican, uh, Second Vatican Council certainly set the tone. It opened the door, if you like, to the kind of rapprochement we've been able to see this year in this event. So, no, not a surprise, but certainly a greatly anticipated event. It, it's always for us a, a, a very bad thing when the body of Christ is divided. Mm especially when there's antipathy or animosity between the branches of Christianity. So we saw this as a major step forward. century, Catholics and Lutherans frequently not only misunderstood, but also exaggerated and caricatured their opponents in order to make them look ridiculous. They repeatedly violated the Eighth Commandment, which prohibits bearing false witness against one's neighbor. Lutherans and Catholics often focused on what separated them from each other rather than looking for what united them. They accepted that the gospel was mixed with the political and economic interests of those in power. Their failures resulted in the death of hundreds of thousands of people. We deeply regret the evil things that Catholics and Lutherans have mutually done to each other.
Bishop John Henderson, in the service, uh, leaders from both sides of the coin, shall we say, talk Mm. about the damage that was done, the wars of religion. And we're talking about thousands and thousands of people who died in these wars. This was not just a disagreement, was it? It's hard for us to imagine in Australia today just how serious these issues were taken. And yes, it was it was bloodshed. It was, uh, of course, religion and politics are closely mixed, particularly mm. in Europe in those days. And so with the religion of the ruler being a religion of the people, when a ruler changed religions, as happened here in Sweden, for instance, which, mm. by the way, at the time was Denmark, where I am right now, so their borders have shifted over the years. Mm. Then, of course, a whole nation would shift and then war would erupt because of the politics of the day and also the economics of the day. Bishop John Henderson, this is a question, I suppose, for our regional listeners, because Lutheranism is not as present in all parts of Australia as as it is, say, in South Australia, or say at Hermansburg, or say in Queensland. What sort of distribution of Lutherans do you look at in Australia when you're looking at planning and, and looking at church development? Our primary areas for congregational life, definitely you mentioned South Australia, Uh, parts of Western Victoria. Um, The early settlers uh, gradually spread through into Victoria, then through into the Riverina of New South Wales. Some hopped up into the uh, southeast corner of Queensland and onto the Darling Downs. You mentioned Hermansburg, and that's the result of 130-plus years of Aboriginal mission. And we have small pockets around Western Australia. Uh, The Australian church is not just the Australian church for us, it's also the New Zealand church. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Australian church has predominantly traditionally been Germanic in flavour. The New Zealand church is predominantly Scandinavian in flavour. They represent quite different streams of Lutheranism in a way. And, of course, the the journey into the Lutheran church was quite different for both those regions. The Scandinavians, of course, had bishops. That's That's the way they went, whereas the Germans didn't. That's right, because in Scandinavia, the whole of the episcopacy went over to the Lutheran faith. And really, uh, Lutherans were happy about that. that we, we have no problem with the concept of bishops and of the apostolic succession. For us, it's not essential, but it's certainly a legitimate form of church leadership. In the 1950s, the Germans returned to the system of bishops, but in a different way to the Scandinavians. In fact, some of the longest standing successions of the seas lie in the Scandinavian countries going back thousands of years. Well, therein struck me another issue where in looking at the Lund service, that the papacy, of course, was a point of division between Protestants and Catholics, and here was the Pope standing inside a Lutheran cathedral, which is an <laughs> Episcopal Lutheran church. Well, you need to understand, of course, that it's not the papacy itself that's been the issue for Lutherans, it's the claims to authority. Yes. And it's the ability of the papacy, if you like, to override the scripture and the clear word of God, should that be the choice of the individual Pope. So... Mm-hmm. That's been the issue, and for Lutherans in the 16th century, it was the issue that the Pope forbade the preaching of the gospel, as Lutherans understood it at the time. Uh, That was the pivotal issue. Had Leo X not excommunicated Luther, he would have continued to argue his case within the Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Lutheran dialogue, which began in 64, now that began four years after, I think, Sweden ordained its first women ministers. And, of course, since that time, the movement to the ordination of women among Lutherans, it depends on where you are, but it, but it has advanced mm. rapidly. Mm. That conversation, though, went on regardless between Catholics and Lutherans, uh, despite those developments in the ordination of women, to the point that we saw in the cathedral the Archbishop uh, of the area, a, a woman and the Pope, exchanging the sign of peace. 
Absolutely you did, and it was no barrier to the uh, reconciliation that took place whatsoever. So it was quite significant to me, because in Australia, the Lutheran Church does not ordain women, mm. but globally many Lutheran churches do, because that's an individual polity issue yes. for local churches. It's not dictated for us globally. And yes, it was remarkable that the, uh, the female Archbishop of Lund Cathedral and the Pope greeted each other as equals. And also, I think it demonstrates that the exploring of things that are held in common and the areas of common faith can proceed, even though there may still be significant disagreement on other issues. I think that the modern or current determination is that, as Christians, more things unite us than divide us. And so we look from that common base rather than from our differences. That's our starting point. Mm -hmm. So our ground zero is our common faith in Christ and our common belief in, in God, our Creator and our Saviour. And we start from that base and then look at the differences and the things that continue to divide us. The other thing that's developed in recent years, and I know the Catholic Church in Australia is uh, very, very strong on this, is the concept of reception and receptive ecumenism. And that is, instead of merely making a statement about something these days, there's actually a process behind it that says, how does this impact on us? What difference does this make to our life and how does it inform our relationships? So uh, there's a whole process that goes on around the theological statements rather than just simply dumping the statements onto the community. de las culpas del pasado cuando nuestros antepasados no siguieron tu voluntad de que todos y todas sean uno en la verdad del Evangelio God, our sustenance, bring us together at your Eucharistic table. Nurture within and among us a communion rooted in your love. Show us your mercy.
Bishop John Henderson, you spent quite a number of years as the General Secretary for the National Council of Churches in Australia. What do you think is going to be the practical outcome of this Lund service where the Pope has has intentionally visited uh, Lutheran brothers and sisters to mark the Reformation? What do you think practically will come out of this? Yes, you want me to get my crystal ball out? Yes, please. Um, <laughs> look, churches are long-lived communities. They don't change course quickly. Uh, so what we saw was a significant moment, but I wouldn't expect there to be a sudden change in trajectory from that point. But there will be a will towards something into the future. But we're hoping to build a foundation on which future agreement and maybe even full unity could be achieved. But of course, Lutherans won't surrender the gospel and there's a lot of things Catholics won't surrender as well. So there's still an awful lot of work. The other thing about churches, of course, is that they're living communities. They're not like businesses with a single head and they can make group decisions all at once. Even though the Pope is the head of the Catholic Church, a lot of people have to come to the table before the Catholic Church changes direction and that takes decades, maybe even centuries. Lutherans are not far behind that. Bishop John Henderson, the, the, the doctrine of, the, of justification by faith was, was a fundamental dividing point in the Reformation. Yet, in a very significant sense, that disagreement between Catholics and Lutheran evangelicals, it's over, isn't it? Well, I mean, there's Catholics and then there's Catholics and there's Lutherans and there's Lutherans. So, yes, for many it is. And, of course, for us, it's the fourth article of the Augsburg Confession of 1530, That's one of the immovable objects of our church. Mm. And you would find today that if you explained that to most Catholics, they would say, well, yes, of course. (laughs) Of course that's how it is. (laughs) So there's this this no-brainer. Yeah, uh, of course the the people are saved by grace through faith. The scriptures say so. So uh, you could say today that, yes, that, that argument itself is over. But, of course, the divisions are too deep and were too profound just simply to say, well, that's it then. Um, A lot of other water has gone under the bridge Mm. since then. The theological dispute, though, I think is resolved, at least at the level of theologians. Catholics and Lutherans have said, actually, um, we believe the same thing about justification by faith, that it's true, and Mm. we can now say that as Catholics, and we acknowledge that the Lutheran teaching is something we agree with. So then there's the question of the fact that Luther is still excommunicated. I don't think that's been solved. And then, of course, there's the matter of the damnamuses that the Lutherans spoke towards the Catholics. Mm -hmm. And in many senses, actually, we have wound them back. We no longer hold to those parts of the 16th century material in the way that maybe people once did. Mm. So, look, relationships were damaged. You can't just, um, just say, all right, well, that's all over now and we're all back together again. I mean, ultimately, I think that God will have a hand in that, and that's what will happen, because I think both of us believe that there is only one body of Christ. I think the uh, the beautiful thing that's happened since Vatican II is that uh, we now realize that Catholics recognize there are Christians outside the specifically Roman Catholic community or the Catholic community more broadly, because I'm very conscious that the Catholic community is not just Western Catholics, and there were Chalcedonians and others of course. at the celebration yesterday. Bishop John Henderson, if you had to put your finger on the things which are outstanding that prevent Australian Lutherans and Australian Catholics from sharing Eucharist, from being in full communion, what things would you put your finger on that now still need attention and development? Well, I have to say that in terms of Eucharistic teaching, 
uh, we've done our work on this in Australia. Our viewpoints is probably that the Lutheran Church is closest to the Catholic Church in its understanding of Eucharist uh, than any of the other denominations that we also dialogue with in Australia. We have a common understanding of the real presence of Christ in the bread and the wine. The things that would be barriers to that is that full communion is a sign of full agreement in the things of the faith, and we aren't at that point yet. Uh, neither the Catholic Church nor the Lutheran Church would say that we are, and there's still many other matters that we need to talk through. Uh, and, of course, then there's the authority of the Pope himself, hmm. who would, uh, and through the Vatican, of course, which would say such communion is not possible. So there's church polity sitting there as well uh, as the theological issues. I personally believe that at the grassroots level in local parishes, where, of course, this is the real life of the church, I believe there is some permeability happening now in Australia, and maybe a church leader shouldn't say that, but we do see it mm. happening. Uh, but it is not yet at the official level, and I'd say that's still probably not in my lifetime unless something really, really remarkable happens from here. Bishop John Henderson, National Leader for Lutherans in Australia, thank you very much for being part of Sunday Nights. Thank you, Noel. Sweden. Pope Francis with the Lutheran Church. Noel De Beer there with Bishop John Henderson of the Lutheran Church of Australia. This has been a podcast of Sunday Nights on ABC Local Radio. Thank you for listening.